Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. gentlemen and what a week we've just had wow what a ride yeah thank you everybody for making the last episode of the podcast with miles hunt the biggest show we've ever had thank you guys for tuning in uh, very much appreciate you uh, popping by and uh, uh, spending a bit and spending the hour with us it's uh, very much appreciated and thank you um, for all you new listeners that are hanging around, um, that enjoyed the Miles Hunt interview as much as we did, uh, stay, stay tuned. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us again for another week. Today we've got David Gedge from The Wedding Present, ladies and gentlemen, an amazing guest uh, with a great chat coming up soon. Uh, yeah, just wanted to thank you all really for uh, spending your time with us. It's very much appreciated. And it doesn't go unnoticed. Um, it makes us nice and humble and warm inside to have uh, all these listeners listening to the show. Thank you. So yeah, if you're a new listener, hang around. Uh, we do have loads of archives. There's about 60 episodes of interesting people just are waiting for your divulgence and listening ears. Let's have a look around. Check the archives. Thank you. And for everybody that's been here from day one, you know, we'll never forget you guys. Thanks for supporting us all this time. You guys are great. Uh, and we've got a little announcement for you coming up on the podcast too soon. On this podcast, so you don't have to wait very long. Yeah, check the archives. All the video versions of this podcast, including the Miles one, is on our YouTube channel too. So you can watch our little faces have these conversations too. Uh, and it, it, there's none of this like introduction chat stuff on YouTube. It's straight in, straight into the hard chat. And yeah, if, if that's how you prefer to do it, join us over there. Uh, either way, whether it's on a podcast app, on YouTube, or wherever, thank you guys. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. So, how are we doing? Are we all right? Yeah, today is. I'm recording this on the Sunday before the podcast comes out. Uh, and later on today, I'm going to go watch Miles Hunt down at Baskin Stockport. So I'm really looking forward to that later on today. Uh, can't wait for it, actually. You know, when you just got giddy pants on and you're ready to go. Um, yep, giddy pants firmly on. Uh, yeah, we're off. And a big announcement this week as well, ladies and gentlemen, is that we, we are trying out. We, we're trying it out. Okay. We're going to give Patreon a go, and it's live now. And the idea of setting up a Patreon is to try and find new audiences, you know. We're always trying to grow this thing. And we want to offer you, the listener, more benefits. So if you're enjoying the show, there's going to be loads more content on there for you to be able to dig into. 
Uh, and it's not about uh, another income stream, really. Uh, although it is useful with the ever-increasing costs of everything in the fucking world at the minute. Uh, and we appreciate it. It's only going to be £2.50. Uh, we've, we've picked the lowest cost possible. And we're never going to increase it, I promise you. You heard it here. I said it. I'm never going to increase the price. All it is is just to try something out, offer you guys a little bit more content if you're enjoying what you're listening to. Um, uh, and you're going to have access to a community chat room on there. Early access to the video episodes of the podcast too. Uh, unedited um, content as well, so you can see what goes on behind the scenes and stuff. Um, and we would just want to keep adding more new ideas of content. So, we, so we're very interested to know what would you, the listener, like to hear? What would you like to see? Uh, and we will listen to you and give you whatever content you want on the Patreon side of it. Uh, so we know money's t- uh, money's tight. You know the shit show that's governing us at the minute is. Uh, it's making things harder and harder for us. And I appreciate that. And it's literally not about a, a money stream, this. It's about giving you more. It's about giving you more. Uh, so within the description of the podcast, uh, there's a link to the Patreon. If you like, if, if, if you want to have a look, have a look. We're not going to be pushing it hard. It's not like a sales thing. Um, it's just for you, the passionate listeners of the podcast. We really appreciate your support. And we're our, our ears are firmly open and want to hear what you want and we will provide that for you um, the, 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 the main people that have kept us being able to keep this podcast going really uh, and we can't never forget to mention them is Scott's Menswear for their continued support uh, we, we love the work that they do supporting us and the music loving community around us um, and you know that relationship is strong that's going to carry on Thanks, Scots Menswear. I just wanted to give you a big shout out too because it is very much appreciated. Um, so yeah, announcements, announcements. Uh, we've got a big week coming up on RGM this week as well. You will see an interview with the Snuts on there. We've got, uh, we've got Richard Ashcroft at Manchester Arena. A review of that. My boys from Sheffield, perfect parachute picture, an amazing two-piece band, ladies and gentlemen. If you've not checked those that band out yet, we've got a new single out. That's on uh, RGM at the minute. Check that band out. Okay. My boys from Sheffield. Just proper grafting and having a go at it. All over the place. Touring. Finding it difficult as you know all new bands do too. You know, frustrated with, you know, progression and that kind of stuff. Uh, if you do have a spare bit of minute uh, a minute, pop on to rgm.press. Check out Perfect Parachute Picture. Uh, it's an amazing new single got a new recommends post coming out where we celebrate all the new singles that are coming out from the unsigned music community as well on rgm this week later on in the week that one and uh, just waiting for a few uh, release dates to kick in uh, so there's loads coming up for your entertainment uh, but for now let's crack on with the podcast because eh? that's why we're here so yeah david gedge wedding present you know a perfect you know uh, episode to come after the miles hunt one really because you know, if, if you're a listener of a certain age like myself, you'll remember the wedding present. You'll remember the hit parade. You'll remember the, how, you know, how uh, prolific they are bringing singles out every year. We talk about all of this. We talk to David about all these new projects that are coming up as well. Um, so, yeah, I'll not spoil any of that. I'll let you just listen and uh, listen in with me. Um, yeah, an enjoyable time was spent. And I hope you enjoy it too, guys. So thank you. Thank you for all your support. 
Thanks to Scots. Have a look at Patreon if you can be bothered. Uh, and we really appreciate all the love that you're giving us at the minute. Ladies and gentlemen, let's move on to the podcast. David Gedge, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Hello, I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm fine, mate. Thanks for joining us. Um, it's it, it's very much a pleasure to have somebody that, uh, you know, your music's been around my life for all of it. And on, on a recent podcast, I had Miles Hunt on. Um, and the, the, the wedding present first was presented to me by a friend when I was 13 at school. He gave me a box of tapes uh, and it had eight leg groove machine in it. And I'm trying to remember if it was Sea Monsters or George Best by you guys. And I can't quite remember which one it was. It's not coming to me. Um, so that's, you know, that was back 90, when we were born in 78, I was 13 ish, 14 ish. So early nineties anyway. So, you know, the band's been around a while, mate. You know, how do you reflect back on those times and um, how do you look back on and reminisce over the early days? Uh, it's weird because, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, you know, people say that and I, I start counting the years and thinking, wow, that, it's a long time ago. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like getting to 40 years when I you know, first started to be in you know, proper groups and you know, making demos and things. But it totally does not feel like that four years, you know. I remember I saw an interview once, I think it must have been like Parkinson or something, mm. and he had uh, Tony Curtis on there, and he was celebrating, you know, 50 years in Hollywood or whatever <laughs> it was. And uh, I remember Tony Curtis saying, it feels like I've arrived yesterday, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and the 50 years have just gone like that. And and I can see what, you know, at the time I was like, yeah, whatever, but but I can, you know, I can see what he meant really, you know, it's... Uh, it's all it's just been this continuous thing it's it's all i've done you know since yeah since the present started really uh it's kind of taken over my life to the point where you know it's it's become this obsession i suppose in some ways you know I've, you know never had kids or anything yeah. uh and yeah it's it's just you know so, so so i don't look back at those times as a kind of nostalgic thing i also mm. you know look back at them just it's just a bit earlier on in this kind of yeah continuation of continuation, career, yeah. music career yeah oh, brilliant well miles says hello by the way because I, uh, I i asked him have you got a question for him because i know the interview were coming up later this week nothing came to him from the, the top of his mind but he did thank you for a lovely festival you put him on uh recently. yeah well, what, yeah, what was that about i just wanted to ask you about what what that was really yeah i do my own festival down here because i live mm. in brighton now and yeah. for the last kind of i think it's about 10 or 12 years we've you know, I've got my own little venue on the seafront and we uh, do an annual festival every August. And he came down to play at that a few years nice. ago. And then obviously we couldn't do it uh, during the lockdown yeah. for the obvious reasons. And so so we did like a, a virtual version. So I got, I asked some of the people who played if they, if they could do a little kind of acoustic thing at home, you know, uh, which then we put online and he, he, he kindly you know, did one for that. So uh, yeah, he's, he's a, he's a lovely fella. Miles yeah. yeah. You know, kind of obviously, met him years ago and uh we kind of kept in such ever since really yeah no it was just a just a pure coincidence that i had that that this guy that gave me these tapes years ago at school and i'm interviewing you both in the same week it's a bit of a bit of a <laughs> crazy week for me personally as a music fan to to meet you all this week it's just one of those one of those type of things um so yeah i, I, I had a quick look on wikipedia i don't usually like doing it but it, it, it says that you're from middleton in manchester originally 
Um, are you close to what's going on in the music scene in Middleton at the minute? Do you know what's going on at all oh, the bands around there? Because yeah, I, mm. I actually grew up in Manchester, mm. uh, but and I went to university in, uh, back because I was I was born in Leeds. Yeah. And my parents moved to Manchester when I was about three or something. Mm. And then I went back to Leeds University. So I've, I've kind of not been in Manchester since 1978. Right, okay. Yeah. So I've, not, I've no idea what, what the music seems like sure. anymore. Yeah, fair enough. There's a, I just wanted to... Um, there's quite a lot... There seems to be a lot coming from Middleton. There's a band called The Demo really? that are really good. Uh, there's a band called The Cavs that I've, I just get on really well. And I'm actually managing a band called Sinclair that are from Middleton. So I just wanted to pose the question, really, just to see if you knew or felt a vibe in that particular area of the world that's all it's weird though because you know it's always been you know it's, it's a tiny little kind of suburb really mm. isn't it yeah just at the same time it's uh you know the chameleons came from there didn't they mm. as well yeah so yeah it's you know the, i remember when you know i lived there when i was a teenager you know there's always a lot going on there was gigs going on and stuff mm. and, and you know bands forming and stuff so yeah I, it's nice to see that that, that tradition's continued really was it a, a friend of yours in Chameleons? I can remember seeing in an interview, and it was when you, you, one of your friends got signed, and then you realised you wanted to go into music. Is that? Have yeah. I got that right? All three of them, actually. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I knew. Yeah, I knew. Uh, I mean, in the first lineup, they had uh, I knew all four of them, but then they they changed drummers quite quickly. Mm. So of the, of, of the other three, I, yeah, I was at school with. Uh, I suppose my main person I knew was Dave Field, and he was the guitarist. And I, yeah, I went to, he was one of my best friends at school, actually. Mm. And then I, but I knew Mark, the singer, and Revsy, the guitarist. And then I went off to university, and then they got famous. Basically, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the pricey of it, really. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we always wanted to be in bands when we were in bands, each other's bands, you know, various times. But then I, I was there studying mathematics at university. Meanwhile, they'd gone down and got appeal sessions, signed to Epic Records. And it's kind of all the things I wanted to do, really. Yeah. And so, it, yeah. It, it, it was a, it was a catalyst, you know, for me. I was thinking, well, if they can do it, you know, you know, I, you know, I can do it as well. And uh, I mean, it took me a, a bit longer because we we didn't really, you know, achieve any success until a good like six seven years after that. But mm. uh, it definitely inspired me to, to to. I mean, I finished my degree first because yeah. I'm so sensible. Okay, was, fair uh, enough. Unlike them, I was thinking, yeah, what if it all fails? Yeah, I need something to fall back on. So yeah. So. Yeah, I waited until I got my degree. Really, it's quite when it, when I heard that that happened. It's quite a, a thing because you know getting a record deal back in those those days is completely to get it's completely different to getting a record deal these days. Because uh, what is getting a record deal these days? Really, sometimes it's it's not worth <laughs> anything. You, you're just getting yourself. I don't know. It's just the. I don't, I don't know what it is these days. I can't put my finger on it. But back in those day, days, it was like the holy grail. You know, you, you had some serious backing, and you had, and you were well on your way to in your journey of making a career of it. Back then, mm-hmm. uh, just looking at you know your friends band that did it, and and how hard it is or was to get a, a record deal back then. What kind of things did you change about what you were doing to uh, to make sure it happened for you? I just think. I mean, it wasn't so much about getting a record deal. It was, it was more like, you know, taking it seriously. I, yeah, th- okay. I think you know, it, it was kind of like, uh, I wasn't 100% committed. Obviously, I was doing a maths degree, so, so that, yeah. I didn't have the time. But, but as soon as that, that finished, it, it, it became the be-all and end-all, really. I think, you know, I spent a, you know, a lot of time, you know, I was, you know, uh, you know I was unemployed. Uh, you know, my parents hated that because, obviously, <laughs> I, I, just, I just finished university, got this maths degree. I've got, you know, this great career ahead of me. Actually, yeah. no, I'm going to sign on the dole. Yeah. And uh, 
be being a you know want to be famous bands kind of thing. So was there an official conversation about that, or did it just like uh, did you just like I, do it? I, I just did it. Yeah. And every time I was back because because they lived in Middleton still, so every time I used yeah. to go home, they just you know I mean quite rightly obviously they thought I was completely stupid yeah. and, and we had these, these arguments about it. And in the end, I kind of stopped going home because it's, I just knew as soon as I got there, it'd be like, oh, why are you on the dole <laughs> when you've got a master's degree? Yeah. Which, you know, is a valid question. Yeah. But uh, I think I was just, you know, fully determined uh, you know, to be in a group or or at least something, you know, to do with music. Yeah. You know, I kind of thought, well, if, if the group doesn't work, I'll try and be a DJ or I'll try and, you know, be a music journalist or, you know, I'll start a record label, anything, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so I kind of spent, you know, the, the whole of my kind of time in writing songs and auditioning drummers and, you know, you know, following this group, which eventually became the wedding present, I suppose. So it's, it, it always fascinates me when people take the journey into the creative uh, industry where there's zero security, really, <laughs> when people first go into it. And it's, uh, and it's probably one of the most rewarding of things if if things go okay for you uh, and you get away with it which it, how it can feel sometimes i suppose in the industry uh, it always fascinates me that decision to to, to make that commitment and do it well, where did where did it span from within within you i think i always wanted to do it you know and i yeah. say want it's not kind of kind of a strong enough word really but from a very early age i was obsessed with music and, and kind of pop culture in general and i used to play my you know, parents' singles from the 50s and 60s. And then I was, you know, a massive fan of Radio 1 and mm. rock and then punk rock, you know, and all that stuff. And, it, and it, you know, it's my life, really. And so, you know, people, you know, often ask me, you know, when did I decide to be in a band? And I, and I can't actually remember, you know, not wanting to be in a band. So, yeah. so it's like, you know, I never made that decision that I'm going to be in a band. It was just, I'm going to be in a band because that's what I, that's what I am. You know, that's what I, I do, really. Uh, yeah. And uh, but yeah, after I finished the, the degree, it became more of a, of a you know of a serious proposition really, rather than just being in a band as a hobby. It was right now. If I really want to do this, I've got to buckle down and do it properly, really. And how, how did you find changing the mindset of others as well, particularly like drummers and that kind of stuff that they've got with uh, you know different people have got different personalities, people people have got different. Um, things going on in their lives. How did you get a group of people to be committed to to have a go at it? It's 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 the hardest thing. I think. <laughs> yeah, about being in a band is starting a yeah. band because because obviously you have got no track. I mean, now it's easy because because we you know if, if we need a new drummer or guitarist, we just say, look, we've got this North American tour lined up. And yeah, go, yeah, I'll do it. You know, yeah. so it's 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 not a problem. But but then obviously you got nothing. <laughs> you've got no money. You've got a handful of songs. And you've got no gigs. You know, do you want to be in my band? And uh, and yeah, we went through. I think we auditioned ten drummers in one year until we found someone uh, because yeah, you've got to have someone who who enjoys the, the same kind of music and mm. who's going to fit in, you know, with the group really. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a struggle really, but I guess we did it. Yeah, I can remember when I when I were in a band. I think in the, in the later years of it, we went through about seven different drummers in ten years or so. There's mm. something about the personality of a drummer, isn't there? That's that's there fascinating. Is. Glad you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I said it in the nicest way possible as well, though. <laughs> but they are all yeah. a bit mental. They are. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly been easier to find 
non-drummers and drummers. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> Brilliant. So, you know, but back in 1992, you as a band decided to release a single every month, which is a very audacious thing to do uh, in, mm. in a year. And, you, and you do, you, you, you're doing it again this year. Yeah. So how, uh, <laughs> I suppose, why is, 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 is the first question? Uh, well, I think because we'd done George Preston's first album, then we did Bizarro, then we did Sea Monsters. Mm. And I think we kind of felt like it, it, it would be good to do something a bit different. Mm. You know? And then you know, we didn't know what that would be. And our bass player at the time, I think he'd, I think he'd just been to New York or something, but, it, but he'd, he'd heard about this Sub Pop singles club. Mm. It's a label in Seattle. And and they did this kind of uh, uh, like a seven inch club where you know you subscribe to it and every month you get this seven single. Yeah. I think they said you know we could do that as a band rather than you know as a label. And we just thought that is such an amazing idea. Mm. And in a, in about fifteen minutes it was it was all decided. You know you know we do more on seven inch vinyl. We do an original on the A side, cover on the yeah. B side. All the sleeves would match. Uh, we do a video for each one. We do a t shirt for each. You know it was all this kind of like avalanche of ideas, and once we thought of it, you know, we you know we just thought you know, there's no going back from this. We, you know, we have to do it because it'd be so disappointing now. You know, yeah. we've had a brilliant idea. Uh, you know, to just go back and do an LP. So we so we were we we're on RCA at the time. So we just talked to them, and and luckily, our A and R person was quite high up in the in the hierarchy, so he had a bit of power, and he thought it was a good idea. He, he mm. agreed with it. Is that weird noises though? I don't know if you can hear that, but I, I can't hear anything myself. Someone's drilling outside. <laughs> okay. Uh, and so once they, were, you know, we're on board. Yeah. You uh, said, yeah, let's do it. And uh, yeah, it was. It, I mean, it was a bit audacious, I suppose is the word you use, isn't it? But you know, it was. It was. A, it was an interesting thing. It was an interesting. It was, it was a different way of, of releasing mm. music for you. So, and then when it came to the 30th anniversary, which was, yeah. was you know this year. I just decided it, but, you know, let's do it again, kind of thing. Really, no, I, I, I love that, and you know, it, just the thought of twelve songs, and you know, getting an album's worth of music. Really, I know, I know, you guys are really prolific. Oh, it's twenty-four, really, because it's well, twenty-four with the B-sides, with the B-sides, and uh, and the covers on the other side as well. There, but all all I meant by it was like, you know, producing that amount of music, and when you're writing an album, I suppose. You, you probably might pick different songs for an album than what you might pick for 12 singles over a period of 12 months. I don't know. I'm just trying to think there well, might yeah, be a different I mean, thought process with what you bring out or what you don't if you do an album or 12 singles over a year. It was a totally different thought process because mm. yeah, with an album, you just kind of write, don't you, until you've got like like a batch of songs and yeah. think, okay, we've got enough now and we can go and record these you know, make an album. But with, the, but with the Hit Parade and with 24 songs, actually, we've done it over over time. So, you know, both occasions I thought it, it it didn't feel right to have everything kind of written and recorded up front. So, yeah. so we do it in these sections. And so both times we've gone in to the studio like four or five times and done like four or five songs basically. Uh, and it's yeah, so it kind of evolves kind of naturally. You know, uh, it's a bit different every time, and you kind of you kind of build on what you've done before. And so, and the mood changes through the year really. And it's it's kind of interesting how it works, but. So it hasn't got that, you know, like a, like an album, like, you know, we've just been playing Sea Monsters actually, which is the third album we've been playing that live. And that's got a certain 
feel to it like, all the way through. There's a mood because all those songs yeah. were written together, recorded together, mixed together, and they kind of hold together. Whereas you know with these singles, it's not. It's it's a single. <laughs> it's you know it's two songs yeah. and then uh, completely you know, not connected to the next one really. So were they brand new songs written within that month or were they ideas that you've had over the years as well or months before? Well, parts, you know, little recordings here and there. With it? How did you like manage all that work? Actually during the lockdown, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why why we did it in the end, I think. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just just, uh, just staying on the, when you did it in 92, I'll come on to when you do, oh, did it this year. Yeah, in that's uh, well, yeah, funnily enough, we had the idea to do it in the kind of maybe like, September, October of 1991. Mm. Um, so we didn't have all the songs you know, written. You know, we only had a few written at the time. And so then, so that kind of, you know, rather than, I think it would have been disappointing to say, okay, we're going to do this, but, but we're going to wait a year. So, mm. but also I did like the idea of doing it in sections. Yeah, so we just, it was like a process. You know, we wrote, you know, finished writing those songs, went off, recorded them. And then as they were being released, we were writing the next lot and then we recorded that. Mm. And we actually worked with four different producers in four different studios uh, over the course of the year, really. So it was yeah, a case of you know writing, recording, playing a bit live and then starting again and doing it, and doing it again four times. Because I can remember uh, in an interview I watched, just building up to this uh you know, chat today is that, you, you know, during that year you're on top of the pops four times within the year and in, in 1992... Being on top of the pops is is a massive thing, and there's no music programs like that really at the minute. What mm. what kind of experiences or stories do you have from playing Top of the Pops in 1992? Well, it's funny because you know I grew up with Top of the Pops. Mm, me too. You know, as a kid, it was it was you know as a highlight of the week really mm. almost. Uh, but then uh, by the time the wedding present had come into existence. And I can't, you know, I've been watching some of the, you know, the, uh, the repeats from the eighties and nineties of Top Pops on BBC Four, and and they're terrible. You know, the music, <laughs> the pop, pop music of that era is is not good. I don't think. And I, 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 I think the wedding present. I need to shut this window actually because it's annoying. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's a bloke out there mowing his lawn. That was really <laughs> Fair uh, And uh, I think we kind of felt like we were in some kind of kind of anti Top of the Pops world. Right. Uh, it was, you know, it was the world of John Peel and Janice Long, and it was the kind of alternative bands and stuff. And uh, I remember The Clash kind of famously, you know, kind of turning it down and thinking, yeah, great. And then the New Order said they'd done it if they played live and all that kind of stuff. And then suddenly, you know, we were on it. <laughs> and it was a bit <laughs> of a shock in a way, because yeah. A, you know, I loved it. And then B, I hated it. And then see, I'm on it. So I, I had this love hate relationship with it. And I'm, if I'm honest, I didn't really take it that seriously at the time. Uh, and you know, we didn't kind of mess around a bit. And I do look like you know, back at some of those videos of us on there and think, you know, we possibly went too far sometimes. But uh, yeah, there's a long history of people like not taking it too seriously on top of the pops, isn't there? I remember when Oasis went brothers, one sang and other one did other person's job and that and yeah. <laughs> uh, just I don't know just making it of just make it like a, a bit of a petition really because they were making it were, they were making it obvious that they were miming yeah like a bit of protest did. type thing yeah and I think you know when you saw other bands who took it really seriously yeah. and pretended to mime I just felt like you're just part of the machine you're just part of the yeah. game and the, the, you know the, the record industry kind of you know thing so 
but uh, yeah, it was. But it was even fun. if it, even if it is this big thing, top of the pops, you know, what, hundreds of thousands of people will be watching. Brilliant. No, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take the piss here. I'm just a young lad playing music. It's not really. I'm not that bothered. I'm playing it cool. It seems like. It's kind of an element of that to it, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, really. <laughs> no, no, me, me not. I mean, it just fascinates me, that, 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 these little things of, you know, in music yeah. history and what goes on there. So, so yeah, so so you so you embarked on this new idea to do it in 1992. So, doing, you're, you're doing it again this year. Has, has it yeah. been easier to do it this year? Because you've done it before and you've got these years of experience behind you and you know what, you know, you've probably got a better idea of, how to streamline processes and, and get work completed. Has it, has yeah, it been easier yeah. for you this year than I you know, suppose, back then? I suppose it has been easier for that. Could be, yeah, 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 we knew what we were doing. And mm. I think, you know, weirdly, it's exactly the same because, yeah. you know, we had these, like, like means, how we should, you know, should we do it? And uh, in the end, we decided, let's do a seven-inch single every month, which is exactly what it was, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, I think the main difference is, well, there's two main differences. One is there's, you know, there's no record shops anymore, really. Yeah. So uh, when we uh, we did it you know, with RCA, you know, the only place you bought them was in your local, like you know, Woolworths or R Price or whatever. You know. Uh, whereas now it's down to this kind of selects, you know, specialist shops. So somebody told me our price is coming back the other day. That's just come to me. Really interesting. Yeah. yeah sorry, I was stopped you flow. That just came to me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, well, actually, actually, you know, having said that, vinyl is back, isn't it? You know, you yeah. get these records opening up now, and there's it's young people in there. It's not old blokes like me anymore. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fop so in Manchester. I, I went down just to buy a few records recently, and that's my favourite record place in Manchester, in town. And it, and you're right, it's just it was so so busy, and people just doing the old school thing of just taking your time. You know, they're just flicking through the records and just spending an hour in there easily, just chilling out and, you know, speaking to people. we've lost, isn't it? With yeah. The streaming and all that. Yeah, mm. you've lost that flicking through the thing and looking at the sleeve and picking it up and taking, you know, yeah. that's all part of the ritual, really. But what we did this time, because of, because of the lack of record shops, we had to do yeah. like a subscription service as well. Mm. So so you could you'd get them by mail order, which we didn't do 30 years ago. Yeah. And the second change is the turnaround times, because I remember when we did it the first time, you know, admittedly, we had the you know the RCA's massive kind of record making machine behind us, but we were you know, recording them, mixing them, and then they were out like three weeks later yeah. in the shops, you know, they pressed, printed for sale. Whereas this time, because of you know the lack of uh, record pressing plants, we've yeah. had to do it like seven months in advance or something. So it was kind of all shifted back, you know, half a year really. But uh, apart from that, it's been the same process. No, Dad, I really, you know, love seeing this kind of process. And one thing that you uh, that you've done again is have is co- co- collaborate with people for the B sides again. Um, so, how was that process compared to nineteen ninety two? Doing it this well, year, we haven't really collaborated. No, I'm not sure. I mean, the songwriting. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, well, that, that, on some of the B sides this year, are they? Are you not collaborating with the, like with Sleeper and that kind of stuff? Well, basically, that's because our guitarist John is actually also in Sleeper. Oh, okay, uh, right. I've got mixed up there. Okay, got you. Yeah, I know he joined. He joined a couple of years ago, mm. and one of the, uh, sorry, joined the wedding, but not Sleeper. He's, a, he's actually yeah. found a member of Sleeper, okay. and uh, yeah, when our yeah, we had a, a vacancy for a guitarist, and he was oh. recommended to me. You know, met him, and he was a wedding present fan. So we thought, yeah, perfect, really. And then he. When I first met him, he played me this demo of a, of a sleeper song, which was from years ago, which he'd never used. Mm. 
said that's a really good song you know we should you know uh, do a version of it so basically uh he asked louise Wenner to to sing on our version as well and so, so yeah that was just but that I think that's the only collaboration that we've had, really. Okay. I mean, we've had a couple of people writing the songs over the over the year, but uh, yeah. So, so like, I, I imagine then just just because of what you mentioned with, you know, just how hard work it is to get vinyl from anywhere these days. Uh, mm. This year, you know, the the writing process to bring the single out were, were the songs written last year for you to have the time well, to thing, get it yeah. pressed and stuff. It was in the it was it was during the lockdown. lockdown really. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah, when it started, and uh, obviously I couldn't, you know, I couldn't. You know, we weren't physically together, but but John was John and, and Melanie, actually the bass player, mm. were sending me all these files of, of demos uh, with loads of ideas. So a lot of them were kind of written over the last couple of years, really, kind of half written, you know. Mm. And, and we yeah, finished them off together as a band. But uh, it's funny because when we did the hit parade, obviously it, it was half originals and half covers, and I kind of assumed that that it would be the same if we did it again, really. Yeah. And then I suddenly, you know, we and there are a couple of covers. Obviously, there's the Sleeper song, and we also did a magazine song on on the second single. Uh, but then I kind of I was thinking, but we've got like twenty of our own songs here. <laughs> why are we why are we struggling thinking of, of covers and arranging covers when we you know, we should just record our own songs? Mm. So, so that's yeah, that's the difference, I suppose. This time it's it's been you know it's it's twenty wedding present songs and two two covers really. Being so prolific as you are, do you ever get chance to switch off? You must have, you must have just have music ideas all the time. It feels like, you no, know, to be to be yeah. that prolific and be able to do these type of projects must be. I don't, I don't switch off. I think that's probably a problem. You know, yeah. I, I hope those people who say that uh, uh, they had a good lockdown, but I definitely did, to be honest with you, yeah. because there's loads of stuff that I got done. You know, <laughs> yeah. we do play live quite a lot, you know, all around yeah. the world, really. And when suddenly we had these like couple of years where we we couldn't do anything yeah. you know, outside of the home, yeah, you know, I was writing songs. I was working on the second volume of the autobiography. Uh, you know, we did a compilation of Bond themes for, for like a benefit album, and you know, even even doing stuff like you know YouTube. You know, we did a YouTube site uh, years ago and then left it, and so so we updated that. So there's those little yeah. admin things as well, but. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm a bit of a workaholic, really. I suppose is the, the simple answer. Do, you, do the songs find you, or do you have to sit down and proper wait for them to arrive? How, how does it work for you as an, an artist? To be honest, I'm usually, I'd say nine, well, probably ninety-five percent of the time, I start with somebody else's little riff. Really, mm. uh, it'll be it'll be John sent me a few guitar parts and, and, and sometimes it would be like almost a complete song really and there's sometimes just be a, you know like a, what you think about this for a verse kind of thing mm. or melanie will do the same and then i'll go away and uh i kind of kind of work on that you know kind of you know work out my bit and then work out the the, the vocal work out the lyric and everything uh but it's, it's different with every song as well you know sometimes you know the title comes first almost yeah. uh, you know kind of look for something which would approach that to, appropriate for that title then often it'll be the a melody or a, or a lyric or a guitar part or the bass line you know it, it could be anything really so the hit parade is out now uh was it 24th september it came out so it, it's out now for people yeah, to enjoy probably, uh, ju- just with everything i'll put a link on the description of this podcast for for people to click on it and and find it find it out so how, how much how, how how does it feel to have you know that piece of art a new hit parade compared to 
you know, just looking back over 30 years, it just must be, it must be a really proud moment to, to look back on that body of work and then produce this new body of work too. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm proud of the, I'm proud of the, the original series, and I'm proud of the new one. Really. It's, well, if, if you're born in Yorkshire, that 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 that's that's a big thing because I'm from Sheffield originally. I mean, yeah. when, when I think something's all right, that's like you know that's amazing for a Yorkshireman, I suppose. We just played in Sheffield, actually. We just played oh, yeah. at the Lead. Oh, yeah, nice. Played, I played at the Lead Mill for the twenty-first time uh, just wow. last weekend. Yeah. So. First time was 1986. <laughs> wow! And, and how how was the the Sheffield crowd? How did it take? How did it take to, you know, you guys again? I've got to say, you know, it it felt like a really good concert. You know, sometimes you can just feel that everything's mm. like going well, and uh, it was sounding good, and the crowd were up for it. And then afterwards, you know, people inside the band and outside the band, and you know, social media was saying that is one of the best concerts I've ever seen you play. So. I don't know why it was, but, you know, sometimes it just all comes together. I mean, you know, we've been doing Sea Monsters uh, shows, the kind of 30th anniversary, and we've, been, and we've been playing it kind of all year, really, because a lot of them are kind of postponed from you yeah. know, uh, lockdown periods and stuff. So so we should know it back to front, really. So it, it's <laughs> tight, you know, and it's well rehearsed. And we just came back from the European tour. We played it every night. And so I think, you know, we didn't have that kind of, still fumbling for the notes or, yeah. you know, which pedal goes on, you know, it was all, you know, second nature. And I think once you get to that level, you kind of almost tra- you know, transcend, you know, the physical aspects of doing the concert and it, and just, you know, you, you, you're more focused on, on something else really, which is bigger. And uh, yeah, it, it just, it just really worked. It just came out with, and, and the Lebanon's such a great place. You know? it, it doesn't feel right that it's at risk. So, you know, on the link to our podcast, we've got, uh, you know, we're supporting, you know, save the lead mill till we die. Um, you know, there's a petition on our, on, on our website everywhere. You can find this petition to save the lead mill. Uh, to, how, how much of a loss would it be to you to see that venue go if it did, if worst case scenario happened? I don't think it can go. Surely it can't, not. It can't, it can't. Because, it can't. you know, you hear about these venues, you know, disappearing and, they, you know, become block of flats, but, but they, you know, with respect, they haven't got that status that the, you know, the Lebanon's got, have they? Really, yeah. that that is, you know, ever since I've, I've been in a band, it's 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 been the Lead Mill, you mm. know. Yeah, it's been an iconic venue. There's really. Something about that room and the horrible hangovers you get from the cheap vodka. Yeah, that I've spent many nights in that place and love and adore that building. Um, yeah, I'm just glad that other people have the same kind of affinity affinity to it than what us local Sheffielders do too. Mm. I've got a piece of the dance floor because because when yeah I, oh, yeah okay. yeah they kind of redid the dance floor mm. a, a yeah they cut ago. it up and sell little uh, yeah, uh, did, you, did you get a piece oh no right yeah oh, I love that <laughs> love nice. that love that yeah say the yeah just just on the Leadmill guys if you listen to the podcast uh, in our link tree you can sign the petition to save the Leadmill as well and show your support that's great so um so you know through the years of music and everything David um I know you've got an autobiography coming out so how how have you how how have you prepared for that, or haven't have you, or haven't you? You know, have, have you got snippets through the years? Have you got? Did you did you do a diary? How how did you like come to? Is is it even about the band? It's got to be surely. Well, yeah, it's basically. Uh, I mean, it evolved actually because when it was actually Terry DeCastro was the bass player in in my other band Cinerama, mm. and then she was in the Wedding Brothers as well. Like, so she'd been in the band for years, yeah. and she had this idea to do my biography from her point of view as in kind of meeting me and then, you know, like 
asking me questions, asking my parents questions, all that kind of stuff. And so she started doing it, and it, it kind of never it never came to fruition actually. And then she left the band, and then we just thought, you know, actually there was some elements of, of that which because I'm a big comic book fan, so I wanted uh, uh, to speak you know, some graphic you know elements to her biography, and and we ended up kind of comes to the idea that that we'd kind of relaunch the idea but completely as a as a graphic novel kind of thing so we started doing these comics called tales from the wedding present and basically in answer to your question it, it's just conversations really it's just yeah. her saying you know oh didn't you do that you know didn't you go there once and i'm going yeah that reminds me of a funny story you know blah 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 and then and then we kind of make that into into one story. And sometimes they're a couple of pages long. Sometimes they're twelve pages mm-hmm. long. And then we send them to my friend uh, Lee Thacker, who's a is a is a cartoonist, and he he makes his comic book out of it. And uh, so we did the comic, you know, just as a little hobby, really, for the last kind of decade now. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to compile them into these chronological uh, volumes, hardback books. And we did volume one two years ago. Uh, which launched at the virtual version of, La- of the Louder Than Words Festival, yeah. and then we're doing Volume Two at the at the real festival this year in in November. So, uh, yeah, it's just you know, um, yeah, I think the first one went from kind of you know my childhood up to the the band. Mm. I think probably the first single, and then and the second one is is the next kind of few years after that. So we do George Best and. Uh, I think we're looking at signing to RCA and stuff, but uh, it's just an ongoing. You know, I love doing yeah. it. I'm actually prefer doing it to to making records. To be honest, okay, with you. Fair <laughs> enough. It's, it's a lot fun. Yeah, I can it's, imagine. It's a lot easier, but it's uh, and it's great. You know, we you know me and Terry kind of bat these ideas around, kind of based on a conversation, and yeah. we'll put it into text, and then we send it to Lee, and then it comes back with his drawings, and it's suddenly there you are in in this world, this comic book world. Mm-hmm. It's, like a storyboard of a film or something and it's uh he really brings it to life so is there a, is there a story that you could share with us from from the book that didn't get into it like is this is, is there a story that just didn't quite no, make no, the I book that you could share with us i don't know i'm trying to tease the, all, the book a bit i know they all go in it really uh okay it's kind of it's kind of a warts and all i mean i've got to be honest with you i don't i don't come across in, in a good light all the way through it yeah but I think that's part of it, you know. Mm. I suppose if I was writing it totally on my own in in a traditional sense, because you hear these stories, don't you? I was, I was reading the other night, the other day about uh, Bobby Gillespie's biography. I've I've not read it, but apparently some of the early members of, of Primal Scream were kind of saying that's not how it happened at all. You know, that, that's, <laughs> yeah. he's making that up, you know, to make himself look good. Yeah. And I think if you are kind of writing your own book from that point of view, yes, maybe you would do that. You know, you, you yeah. kind of you know not mention that the bad things but with this it, it's not kind of like that because it's more of a collaborative thing i suppose and uh and, you know terry's very happy to uh to, to you know take the picture <laughs> yeah okay from, uh so uh how, how was that as, as a human you know hearing that back again does it make you a better person somehow i don't know if it makes you a better person that, <laughs> i don't know you, just, you, know, you feel bad about what you've done that, that certain things you've done yeah fair enough it's weird though because someone was saying what's the difference between writing the book and writing the songs, and with the songs you can hide hide behind it a little yes. bit because you can say, well, you know, yeah. it's based on a real situation, but yeah, I might have kind of changed changed it a bit to make it rhyme or you know, yeah. to whatever. But but with a book, you know, it's an autobiography, so it definitely happened, and you know what you're seeing, you know, what you really did that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, it's it's uh, 
so it's a, it's a different kind of feeling really but you know it, at the end of the day it's, it's a comic book as well so we're not going to be you know yeah. not really nasty about anybody or anything it's more kind of a yeah it's realistic but it's it's i wouldn't say light-hearted i, I can't th- i can't think what the word is really you know it's not uh it's not vindictive about anything, yeah. about anything. it 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 just surprised me how prolific you are david mate you know it just and and, and the, your passion for it just flat just just shows um it, that that must be the question i was going to ask you uh, as we draw this interview to a close a little bit is what's the what's the secret to a long-term career but i think you've answered it already just with how enthusiastic you are <laughs> with yeah. it all still really is that a fair assessment well i used to say that, that i'm obsessed with it but I, but it you know, yeah. obsession is a kind of a mental illness, and I, I feel okay. like I shouldn't be saying that. It doesn't feel right that I'm, you know I've got this mental illness, but but it is kind of that, really. Yeah. You know, I'm, as I said before to you, I'm a bit of a workaholic. I'm I'm very meticulous, mm. and I don't mind I, I don't mind working really, which is which is uh, you know, and if there's nothing to do, I kind of find something to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I, yeah, so I guess that's why it's lasted. No, I really appreciate your time today. Have you got a message to share with the wedding present fans that haven't pressed the button yet on buying the hit parade or, um, you know, they're thinking about coming to a few gigs in, in the future? Have you got well, a message for them? They've probably already got it. They've probably got it the first time it came out and or one, of the, you know, one of the other Fair enough. various re-releases of it. But uh, The passionate fans will buy it again, won't they? I think that's what it... I mean, I mean you know, it's uh, it's actually done by RCA again, which is nice because it's the original oh, one yeah. again. Uh, and they did a new package with all with artwork from all the, yeah. the original singles and stuff. So it's nice. But then I would say that, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, I really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. I love hearing the stories of, you know, such as somebody that's had that's that's had the holy grail really of having a career in the music industry that a lot of bands and young bands that i uh, i have on at gigs in manchester down at gulliver's you know they they're all searching out this holy grail of trying to uh create a career within music and it's great to um you know just to have these chats with you know people like yourselves that have, that have made it through uh <laughs> unscathed We've made it too, yeah. <laughs> We've made it too. Well, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, mate, really appreciate your time and thanks again for joining us today. Pleasure. Thanks, David. Pleasure. Thank you. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you, David Gage. What an interesting guy. You know, the holy grail of making a career in music uh, is a joy to see, you know, all the years and experience the, from the wedding present. You know, clear, I do have a look in the description of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Check out uh, all the projects that David and the wedding present have got going on at the minute. Really prolific on tour. We talked about the Leadmill, of course. You know, um, it, it seems to be a theme. A lot of people are just, just bringing up the Leadmill and how much it means to them at the minute, this iconic venue that we have in Sheffield. Um, and we don't want it to go. So as always, within the link tree uh, for our podcast... Uh, you can vote for to save the lead mill on there. The government link is in there, so you can sign the petition. Um, a, a, a matter close to my heart. Can't see that going. I'm not having that. Um, yeah, so if you've enjoyed the show, thank you, guys. If you're here from the Miles Show, thanks for sticking around. We've got loads of great guests coming up over the next few weeks, so stay tuned. The easiest and quickest way to find out what's coming up is the Patreon, of course. Uh, it'll be on rgm.press. What am I talking about? rgm.press. That's the website. You know, it'll be on Twitter at rgmpod. 
uh, for all the latest podcast news. Uh, you can watch our little faces talk to each other on the YouTube channel too. Um, it's all there. It's all there. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for another week of uh, spending our time with you today. Very much appreciated. Hope you've had a great week. Hope you've earned, all earned a few quid. Enjoying gigs and getting out there and uh, share the bands with us. Keep it coming. We love it. Have you found a new band this week? That maybe a support slot. Uh, that you're at a gig and you, there's a support band on that you really enjoyed. Tell us about it. It's what it's all about. Thanks, guys. I've been Carl Maloney. This has been another episode of the RGM Podcast. I'm off to watch Miles on at Baskin Scottport. Hope you're having a great week of music, and we'll see you soon. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Be a part of it with Scott's Menswear, the go-to destination for sports fashion. With a reputation spanning over 30 years, Scott's has a mega brand catalogue featuring Adidas Originals, Nike, Fred Perry, Pretty Green, and many more. Here at RGM, we love the support that they offer us and the music-loving community around us. Check them out at scottsmenswear.com. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe. Tell a friend about our show. And thank you for your support. And we'll see you next week.